بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم اعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم واوحينا الى ام موسى ان ارضعيه فاذا خفت عليه فالقيه في اليم ولا تخافي ولا تحزني ان رادوه اليك وجاعلوه من المرسلين فالتقطه آل فرعون ليكون لهم عدوا وحزنا إن فرعون وهامان وجنودهما كانوا خاطئين وقالت امرأة فرعون قرة عين لي ولك لا تقتلوه عسى أن ينفعنا أو نتخذه ولدا وهم لا يشعرون وأصبح فؤاد أم موسى فارغا إن كادت لتبدي به لولا أربطنا على قلبها لتكون من المؤمنين وقالت لأخته قصيه فبصرت به عن جنوب وهم لا يشعرون صدق الله العظيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاه والسلام على رسول الله اللهم صل وسلم على سيدنا محمد وعلى ال سيدنا محمد وبارك وسلم رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي امري واحلل عقده من لساني يفقهوا قولي سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا سبحانك لا علم لنا الا ما علمتنا اللهم علمنا ما ينفعنا وانفعنا بما علمتنا وزدنا علما وعملا اللهم نور قلوبنا بعلمك واستعمل ابداننا لطاعتك ووفقنا لما تحب وترضى من قول والعمل والفعل والنية والهداء إنك على كل شيء قدير اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من شر الشيطان وشركه اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من شر أنفسنا اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من شر أنفسنا اللهم إنا نعوذ بك من شر أنفسنا يا وهاب يا وهاب يا وهاب يا فتاح يا فتاح يا فتاح يا جبار يا جبار يا جبار أما بعد we ask Allah سبحانه وتعالى to accept all of our coming here tonight even though it's bitterly cold outside and moments like these, we should be making dua, Allahumma na'udhu bika min zamhariri jahannam. Oh Allah, we seek refuge in you uh, for, and ask you protection from zamharir, of, uh, uh, which is a t- punishment of cold in hellfire. A section of jahannam in which the other portions of jahannam also seek refuge from it. Allah Azza wa Jal not only has prepared uh, you know, means of giving punishment through heat, it's also through cold. And this dunya is a reflection of what awaits us in the akhirah, the good and the bad. So when we see righteous, beautiful things here, we think about paradise. When we see beautiful, attractive things, we think about Jannah. And when we see things that are painful or difficult, um, then we are reminded of, the, of what awaits a sinful or a disbeliever in the hereafter. And then we use this as a moment of reflection, seeking protection in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from that difficulty. So, so we, if this is a huge, that in this cold, bitter, cold night, some, you know, people have come from far and wide and attended the dars in person, men and women, and those who are listening online as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow your coming and your ikhlas uh, and your sincerity to become a means of forgiveness for all of us. And may He make it a means of all of us being our hearts being rejuvenated. The, the true love of Allah, true love of the Quran penetrating into the deepest parts of our heart. And we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove the, all the evil effects of our own sins that we're suffering from. And the evil effects of any and all types of things that we are aware of and those things which we are unaware of. We are, alhamdulillah, now in the part two of Surah Al-Qasas. And this is uh, continuing on the, uh, the lengthy discussion of Musa and Fir'aun. And as uh, was mentioned earlier, that there is so much to reflect and benefit and think about from this surah, uh, which we could apply to our uh, current context in, across the globe. And many lessons to be 
uh, taken from here. And so if we are all sincere in our coming here and we ask Allah that He allows us to hear what we need to hear and allow us to share what we need to share, allow us to benefit from whatever we hear and we uh, share, allow us to propagate it to others as well, <clears throat> then inshallah we'll walk away from every single gathering here absolutely rejuvenated, refreshed, and feeling that all of our necessities uh, have been addressed inshallah. And I would recommend that if we can listen, ideally if we make istiqama, al-istiqama tu fawqa al-fi karama. Steadfastness is even more superior than a thousand miracles. The biggest miracle we need to have in our life is istiqama. So if we want to begin a surah now, best is that we make a commitment to listen to all of them. Sometimes we understand well, a person may not be able to make it in person, but at least make niyyah of listening to all of it. So if you are here, we're not here last week, make sure you listen to the first part. Those of you who are here last week are not here this week. Uh, you know, then make sure... Uh, you know, they are listening at least wherever they may be. And this way, alhamdulillah, there will be barakah in our knowledge. There will be barakah in what we're trying to achieve when we remain consistent. So much nuqsan and so much harm happens when we miss out on uh, anything. We start and then we leave out in the middle. Although I say this regularly, but I think it's always there's new people hearing me. <laughs> because the people who heard it last week are not here. So this is something I'll, I repeat again and again that whatever action you do, just please be consistent with it, even if it's small. The most beloved action in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that which is done consistently, even if it may be less. So I mentioned last week that we did four, four verses, uh, or rather four blessings, four to five blessings of um, uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the nation of Musa. Okay, okay, here. So here, this is the um, things that we discussed last week. For, uh, the, because of Fir'aun doing divide and conquer, divide and rule, and choosing to kill the boys, keeping the girls alive, and went, uh, put them through so much harm. So the killing of children, what is taking place right now, is not something new. It's happened not only in the past wars, in this past century, but it's happened thousands of years ago. Right to the Bani Israel that remember we talked about being zibh. They're too. They were. They're not being killed through you know uh, some sort of a bomb from the top. All instant. No, they were actually being choked. One after another, either being choked or slaughtered. Right, thousands of them. Thousands of them were choked or slaughtered. And Allah Subhanahu wa Taala took the Bani Israel from that level of absolute debasement and disgrace. And Allah says, "Wanurid an-Namun." We want to confer our favor upon these people. And we want to make them a'imma in faith. Allah did not say we're going to make them kings. There's two things. One is to be a king, one is to be an imam. And so what is better? That martaba, the, the, the status of an imam is, is higher than the status of a king. The king is, he is, there are some kings who are imams, but not too many. Most kings are just kings. The kingdom ends in this world. There's no one whose kingdom remains forever. And there's, no, there's, no, there's nothing that they, they benefit after they die. It's only, you know, a few good things they may have done, but nothing great. If, they, if most of them, as they use their kingdom solely for their own uh, comfort and not for the betterment of humanity. But on the other hand, a true imam, who is an imam in deen, what happens? His, his enjoyment only begins after his death. While he's serving the people, he may not be appreciated, may not be uh, taken care of. But once they leave this dunya, due to the immense khidmah and service they have done to, for the people, if they are sincere of course, only, then I'm speaking about then in that case their reward will, will outlast them and they will enjoy the reward in the hereafter 
And so hence Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about that He is um, going to give them many favors He is not only The first thing is going to make them a'imma um, The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam One day he mentioned um, That Sal bin Sa'ad radiallahu anhu said that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam One day said on the day of Khaybar Tomorrow I'm going to give this flag To a man who eventually Allah will use to, to overtake this fort Which they had besieged And it was, they were not making any progress for over a month He said tomorrow Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to grant us victory on his hand He's such a man who loves Allah and his Rasul And Allah and his Rasul love him Right so, The people spent the night, everyone was just, couldn't sleep, twisting and turning. Who's going to be that man? Who, who according to Rasulullah, he loves Allah and his Rasul, and Allah and his Rasul love him. Wow, who, everyone would love to be him. When the people woke up the next morning, they all came to Rasulullah Every single one of them was hoping, it's, hope it's me, I hope it's me. And everyone's on their tippy toes, hoping that maybe Rasulullah will look at me and say, Ah, it's you. Fakala, he said, Ain Ali bin Talib. Where's Abin? Where is Ali bin Talib? Fakila ya Rasulullah. Someone said he's over here. Yashtaki ainihi, he's got pain in his eye. Qal fa he said, Call him here. Fa he was Ali was brought. Fabasaka Rasulullah. The Prophet spat or used his saliva to place on his eyes. Wada'alahu and then made dua for him. Fabara'a. Immediately Allah cured him as though he had never had a problem in his eye. Then the Prophet ﷺ gave him the flag. He said, Do I fight with them until they become like us? Just go, move forward. Until you arrive in the courtyard, until you arrive in their land, in, in the right, like in their in their area. In the courtyard. Islam, and then use that opportunity to invite them to Islam. Then inform them of what is necessary, what is obligatory upon them with regards to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's rights. I swear by Allah, if Allah were to guide one man through you, it would be far better for you than having a red camel. Red tree camel, like a red Ferrari. Right? When is this he saying this? Look at this hadith. You, all of you have heard this hadith. He's saying this after one month of being in, in the difficult, difficult circumstance of a battle. It's a stalemate. And he's saying, Do I fight with them until they until they say La ilaha illallah? And what does he say? He says, No. Like first, before we do that, we're gonna try to make sure that they try your best to get everyone to accept Islam. Right? Because um, death is something or fighting is something that is a last resort. Fighting is something is a last resort. We, we, don't, we don't enjoy that. We actually want, their, want them to enjoy a, a, a life of a pleasure in this world and the next. So he's giving him, uh, you know, when a, person is a, when a person is in the midst of battle, right? This is, this is battle. And you've been suffering losses too and you're so tired. Imagine just the desire of vengeance or just like I want to go out. But look at how Rasulullah at this time also told him that no. Your main thing should be You should try to invite them towards Islam Try to get them to accept uh, this deen Right So this is something very powerful That we understand uh, for, 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 for our religion 
that we are always supposed to be hoping that others see the beauty in, of, uh, in the light of Islam. Right? That's, that's uh, what um, uh, you know, a, a true believer's desire is. And when that happens, what will happen is that whatever good deeds this person will do, we will enjoy um, the rewards of that forever. For every person. It was amazing. I saw, you know, subhanAllah, one brother, yeah, you don't know who's gonna, who is going to uh, flourish. One day I was in South Africa and we went, this is when I was still studying there. I went with my Ustad Monchoksi Saab to, a, to a, one city in South Africa. So then there was one graduate, senior to me by many years. He came and he was explaining to Molana all the great work, alhamdulillah, the work he's doing. How many thousands of students are studying the different maktabs and different, different things he was doing, helping the poor and this and that. So Molana was very happy, made lots of dua for him. And then he told me, he said, you know, this boy, this young, this, this, not this boy, this man, when he was a student, he used to come first place in class. It's like, oh, mashallah. <laughs> then he said, first place, first place from the bottom. <laughs> first place from where? From the bottom. I mean, he was the most failing student in class. Most failing student in class. But when you get accepted by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, then this is the type of work you could do. So I'm just thinking, this past weekend I was somewhere in a masjid, and uh, a, a brother, a young boy, who was a little kid when he was here studying. Long ago he left. He went through his whole, whole life, where different things he's been through. MashaAllah, he brought me multiple young men when I was in the masjid, in Atikaf, to meet with me, his friends, and uh, new Muslims. And MashaAllah, this boy, who was actually, a, you know, flunked, his, flunked here, didn't really study, was just not interested. He was a little kid when he was here. But mashallah, just this young college student, mashallah, seven, seven brothers accept Islam so far on his hands in the past year or so. Man, I was just thinking about this, that you know, who would have ever thought that this uh, kid who's failing and flunking in, as a 13, 14 year old, not interested, oh, he's here because whatever, and this one day he'll grow up and you would never imagine that Allah will make him a means of you know, guiding people. And he told me, it was so nice, he was telling me, I started writing a book of Islam for beginners. I said, you're writing a book? He said, yeah, because you know, from my perspective, I think I just got I have a way of speaking that people don't understand. And I think, I mean, other people don't write like that. And I'm able to connect very well with, you know, this crew. So I want to write this book, inshallah, what, so all these new Muslims can, can, can get guidance from it. It was just amazing <laughs> listening to this kid who's now in his 20s. One, you know, he's already started writing a book and he's like, I have it, I'll share a PDF of it. MashaAllah, may Allah allow him to complete that book. And may it make it a means of, uh, of lots of people coming to the deen. But the idea is you don't know who, who, you know, what the future of any person is going to be. Right? Sometimes people think that uh, uh, sometimes we ourselves don't have hope in our own selves. We feel like we are very uh, ill-prepared to face the world. What am I going to do? I'm a nobody. It's nice to have humility. It's imp- not nice. It's fard. It's necessary to have, be humble. But you have to ensure that the humility and humbleness does not tip over into uh, having low self-esteem and self-hate. And uh, uh, just, uh, you know, not having trust in yourself. You don't trust yourself. You trust. you trust Allah that He will give you some amazing gifts. The idea is when people think that, oh, I'm nobody. They think they're being humble. In reality, I tell you, you're being ungrateful to Allah. You're being ungrateful to Allah. You want self-pity? What is it supposed to mean? I'm nobody. I'm nothing. I can't do anything. This type of words are actually not good. You should think, thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for whatever He has given you. And whatever you want to become in the future, the, the door, it's right there. Through dua, you'll get from Allah whatever you want. Why do we say such words as, I'm nobody, I can't do anything, there's no future for me. You know, this is a big problem. Our youth suffer from inferiority complex and they suffer from low self-esteem. We need to explain to them the difference between tawadu' 
and, and, and self-hate. Tawadu and humility is a person that's saying, I don't have anything on my own. Everything I have is from Allah. But I have a lot. But it's all given to me by Allah. Alhamdulillah. That's what it is. So just like wealth and health, as well as any other gifts that we have, attribute it to Allah what you have and keep on asking, keep on asking for more. Why not make a dua today? That Ya Allah, make me a means of giving shahada for a hundred people. Why not? All of you make this niyyah. That I want to I live such a life that at least a hundred people say the kalima on my hands. MashaAllah. And at least a thousand people who are, leave, who are leaving the deen because of me being there at the right time and the right place, have saying something right, Alhamdulillah, I become a means of them. A thousand people coming back to the deen. A thousand people who, had, who, had, who thought of leaving Islam, they come back. A thousand people are falling into haram relationships through, through my words. Alhamdulillah, they leave the haram relationship and come back towards halal relationship. On and on. You, you should make this niyyah and ask Allah to give you that gift and you'll see Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow that. So what is that? That's an imam. That is what we call being an imam. That you are an imam of deen. And this is what every single one of us should um, desire. Now how do you get imama? How do you become an imam in deen? Uh, let's look, look at Surah Sajda, Ayah 24. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Indeed, we made from amongst them a'imma, imams. Yahduna bi amrida who would guide people by our command. Lamma sabaru, when they had patience. That's a number one thing in order to be imam, you have to be what? Patient. You have to suffer. It's hard dealing with people. It's hard dealing with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents, with your siblings. And then, of course, it's very hard dealing with the general masses, dealing with students, dealing with everyone else. It's not easy. It is not easy, I, honestly, because people, they don't appreciate. And on top of that, whenever you try to help them, they think you're actually trying to harm them. It's, it's very frustrating, very frustrating. A position as a doctor, for example, people will pay him, and the insurance will pay, and he'll pay co-pay, and he'll wait for three months in line. And then he'll go an hour before the appointment, quietly wait, and then the appointment will only come half an hour after the actual appointment time. And then when you go in, you get maybe five minutes, three minutes lucky with the actual physician, you have the other, t- other people asking a bunch of questions. And then, subhanAllah, you, you walk away with, you know, a simple basic diagnosis, $250 bill, plus your insurance, and you feel happy. And he says, jump. You say, okay, how high? How many times you should jump? No problem. Anything he says, people listen. On the other hand, the scholar, Imam, subhanAllah, he tries to say something to people. No one's got, no one, forget about patience. If you don't immediately respond, done, you're, you're a loser, right? And no matter what time of the day or the night is, you must respond immediately. And on top of that, no one's got patience to, uh, to listen. And when you do share something, they're not going to believe in it. They'll say, well, you can't say, where's this come from? Where'd that come from? And they'll, they'll poke holes in it. And they'll say, that what you're saying doesn't make sense. But I found someone else saying this. But I found someone else saying that. But why did you go there then? So it's a very tough job trying to explain the ummah what to do when you have the solutions and they just don't listen. Recently I was speaking to a, a physician, subhanAllah, who had was consulting me on, on an issue, about the ruhani spiritual issue. And this is what I, I said to him. I said, listen, when I came to you as a patient in the past, I didn't sit there and say that, you know, because I'm an imam, I am going to now uh, uh, force you, to, I'm not going to take your opinion, and I'm going to expect my opinion to be right, because I don't have expertise in this field. Now that the roles have been switched, why can't you also just simply listen, instead of trying to come and say, no, this, I, I don't believe in this, I don't believe in that. They might not be saying it like that, but that's what it comes down to. When you don't take the advice of the imam who's speaking to you, and you try to do your own ishtihad, that's what you're doing. You're trusting your own source, so-called sources, whatever those sources may be. And you end up harming yourself. So it is a very tough job <laughs> dealing with the people because there's, their level of trust is not there. 
The level of saying that سَمِعْنَا وَعَطَعْنَا We listen and obey and there's benefit and that's not present. إِلَّا mashallah in few people. So in order to be uh, serving the community, you have to have sabr. And so our, our graduating students, we tell them the same thing. That if you don't have uh, sabr with the community, you won't last one year. If you have sabr, you can, have a, you can be an imam in the same community for 20 years. But if you don't have sabr, you can have the best qira'ah in the world. Honestly, you can have the best looks and the best everything. You won't last a year because at the end of the day, it's like marriage. You know, everything you can have, but if you don't have patience, that marriage is not going to last. Same thing with this. If you all want to, not imam does not mean, I mean just leading the community from the front. No. I'm talking about just serving the community in any capacity. Okay? Any capacity. You have to have sabr. What's the next thing? In Surah Sajda, وَكَانُوا بِآيَاتِنَا يُقِنُونَ And you have to have yaqeen. Right? If you don't have yaqeen in the promises of Allah, if you don't have yaqeen in, uh, in, in the promises and the warnings of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, eventually you'll get burnt out. We hear about all this burning out. Scholars say, many scholars will tell me, I'm getting burnt out. Yeah, it, it happens. Burn out. It's very possible. And uh, there are many other explanations of that. But one basic thing I'll, I'll remind myself and everyone who might be serving the community and feeling burnout is you will not, inshallah, suffer burnout if your relationship with Allah is strong. Right? That's the key thing. When our relationship with Allah becomes weak and our relationship with the people becomes strong, you're going to suffer burnout. Because it's true that the, the expectations from anyone who's serving the community are so much and it starts taking a toll on you. But someone who is blessed to be in standing in front of Allah in tahajjud at the night prayers, raising his hands, being able to shed tears, crying, from Allah, crying in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, bidhnillahi ta'ala, you will not suffer burnout. If the people of Gaza are not suffering burnout, what about you and I, man? Right? What about you and I? Allahu Akbar. You see people, prisoners of war coming out uh, and, and just talking about their stories of how they've been tortured. And uh, when they speak, yeah, I mean, subhanAllah, with such a straight face, this is what happened, this is what happened. Just, I just saw to a kid how each and every single bone of his being broken. Little kid, subhanAllah, 12, 13 years old. All these things. You look at what do they have? They have yaqeen, they have sabr. And that is exactly what we're speaking about. When you have yaqeen and sabr, you'll be able to serve the people. So today, we're, we are suffering uh, emotional burnout very quickly. Everyone seems to be depressed. Everyone says, I'm done, I'm burnt out. And I think, you know, Allah knows best. I think along with everything else, the biggest reason for that is my ta'aluk and relationship with Allah is very weak. And my spending that time in seclusion doing dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. What is dhikr? When you sit and quietly do dhikr, this is a type of meditation, right? This meditation technique, it really allows you to start controlling yourself. It, this meditation, this deep meditation allows you to have, con- you can't control the environment around you. You need to learn how to control yourself. I need to learn how to control myself. I can't change the weather, but I need to learn how to dress up to the weather. So all of us are going through problems in our lives. I am, you are, we all are. But how do I respond to that? You have to learn how to control yourself. And dhikr of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, breathing in and out, La ilaha illallah, Allahu Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Muhammad sallallahu Or simply closing your eyes and imagining Allah's mercy descending upon your heart and your heart is beating with Allah, Allah, Allah. Try that for 10-15 minutes, this type of meditation, this type of spiritual, spiritual exercise. And what will, what will you see? You'll see you'll have a very strong sense of being able to control yourself. Something will make you angry, you'll be able to keep calm. Something will make you sad, you'll be able to keep calm. But when our relationship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is weak, then anything and everything will make us feel burnt out. So my beloved students and my dear brothers and alumni, let's take this out of our vocabulary. Let's stop using burnout. I hate this word. Because I feel like this is, so we're scapegoating. We're finding excuse to blame other people and society for our problems. 
right? You can, this is, you're gonna blame, I don't know, the winner for this cold? What are you gonna do? You gotta do what you have to do. You dress up and move on. 20, I said today, one of the students, subhanAllah, he's making his laps outside, exercising after Maghrib. And it's 20 degrees. He's, he's bundled up and he's doing his work. That's what, we're, that's what we all have to learn how to do. Halat, the world we can't change. You need to learn how to, and I need to learn how to strengthen myself spiritually and emotionally. And let's not use this word burnout because it, it, is, takes, it, 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 it is shifting the blame to something that will never change. The world is not going to change for you. The world is not going to stop for you. No one cares about your burnout. No one cares about how you feel. You have to take care of yourself. So then, that's where I'm talking about bringing in that, of course, physical health aspect. And then also, big chunk of it is spiritually building ourselves. So imam, all of us should desire to be the imam. What did we see? Imama. We did that the last uh, two weeks ago in the ending of Surah Furqan. Ya Allah, make me the imam of muttaqeen. I want, I want to be the imam in my home. And I want every single member of my household to be a muttaqi. And I be the imam. That's the desire for all of us. Right? So, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about. That um, he, he, honors, he honored them with um, uh, uh, imamat. Number two, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made them heirs. I told you he made them either heirs to our commandments, meaning they became like We made certain people become heirs of the book of Allah. So it could mean like that, that these people became ulama, they became inheritors of the deen, that's one. Another explanation of this is that they become heirs of the treasures and the, uh, uh, of the treasures of the Fir'aun and his people. They, they inherited that wealth. All right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in Surah An-Nur. This past Jum'ah khutbah here, I, I was mentioning how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised many things in the Qur'an. But these promises are with iman, not just with external Islam. Today what we have is we have Islam. A, a certain, to a certain extent. That you will see for Jum'ah people show up. Ramadan people are fasting. Few things are there. But the, the deep down unwavering faith when you come, when you have to choose between dunya and akhirah, when you have to choose between losing your dunya and losing your akhirah, which one do you give preference to? When you have to, get, when you have to give a chance to, uh, you know, when you when you are asked to put your foot down on your nafs and your desires, when you're when you're asked to make a decision that will, might bring harm for you in this dunya, but you will earn in the akhirah, who is able to make a right decision? Only the person who's got strong iman. And this is a whole topic itself. Iman, Iman. Allah says, Antumul Aluna in Kuntum doesn't say in Kuntum Muslimin. He says in Kuntum Mu'minin. If you, if you have people of faith, Iman is from the heart. So in Nur, Surah Nur, Ayah 55, Allah says, Wa'adallahu ladina amanu minkum. Allah has promised the people from amongst you, Amanu, who are believers from amongst you. Wa'amilu salihat. And then who did good deeds, Allah promises them, Layastakhlifannahum fil ard. Allah will give them vicegerency on earth. Allah will make them khalifa. Allah will make them rulers on earth. The way He made people prior to the Sahaba, rulers on the earth. Number two, and then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow that deen, yani Islam, which He chose for them, Allah will allow that deen to flourish and to take hold. Number three, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will change their fear into peace and comfort and security and safety. 
Just keep on worshipping me and do not ascribe partners with me. Whoever chooses to become a denier after all of that, those are people who are open transgressors. So what, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in this ayah is saying here, that if you take care of your iman and a'mal salih, I will take care of giving you power on earth. I will take care of you becoming leaders, etc. So this, this is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the Bani Israel. That you are going to go from the bottom of the ladder, from the bottom of being slaughtered and killed, to people who are going to become leaders in deen, and people who become leaders in the dunya, warithin, and you will become inheritors of Fir'aun and what he had. Same thing. And we're going to give you, establish you securely in the lands. You will be able to travel wherever you want, do whatever you want. Things will, will, will switch. There's a beautiful statement of Ali radiallahu anhu. Um, attributed to Ali radiallahu anhu He says Allah does not leave the truth unprotected Allah does not hand the truth over to the enemy Aslama yuslimu means to hand over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not allow the truth to be forsaken Allah lets it go Subhanallah. He says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not forsake the truth. Instead, Allah lets the truth alone for some time under His watchful eye in order to test the possessive jealousy of the people, the ghayra of the people, the, um, the uh, what you call, the, uh, the concern of the people. That are they going to stand up for the truth? Or are they going to allow the forces of falsehood to completely wipe out the truth? But they're never going to actually be able to wipe out. Allah is giving a chance. He says, I, Allah throws, it, throws the truth in the middle of the field and the truth is being attacked. And Allah does not not come to the defense initially because He is using that as a way to test the people to see who chooses to come to His support. Who comes to stand up for the truth. Isn't that amazing? And when everyone's ghayrah and their possessive nature of, 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 of support dies out, that's what this Ali Ullam is saying. Allah imtihan le is se bechara nahi chhod deta Allah subhanahu ke baghair uska kisi sahare ke Allah chhodta hai is niyat se ke log ka imtihan ho logon ki ghairat ka aur jab log chhod de aur wo ghairat log ki mar jaye phir Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala ki ghairat josh mein aati hai aur phir usse phir jo hota hai phir aap dekhein subhanallah that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala lets the truth alone and he sees if people are going to stand up for the security and safety of this of the haq. But when they don't, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes onto the, into the playing field. And then when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala comes in, then you know things are going to really shake up. That's what happens. So in the process of that shake up, all those people who didn't stand up for the truth, they're going to pay the price as well. You know, honestly, that's what it is. Anyone who, who's not only the oppressors will pay the price, but people who do not do whatever they can, whether it's dua, whether it's speaking up, whatever is possible for them to do, if they just turn their, turn their heads the other way and move on just worried about their material success and don't care about whatever is happening around them, then they will eventually pay the price here or in the next world. What an amazing statement of Ali radiallahu anhu. So he says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, now I'm going to, this is Allah's ghayra. All of this is what? Years and years of oppression. I want brothers, all of us to reflect on these things. What the oppressions we're seeing today are, this is not new. This is happening for so long. It's happened thousands of times, hundreds of times through thousands of years. And not one or two, thousands were killed. 
And then Musa salam and Harun salam are being told, Ujiba da'watukuma, your du'as are accepted against, your, against this Qiptis and, and Fir'aun. But did, the, did immediately Allah's help come? No. As, as you have heard, that, that after the word, ayah came about du'a is accepted, according to some narrations, it took 40 years. 40 years, four decades for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's uh, you know, adab against Fir'aun to come into fruition, to come to fruition. So the way Allah works, my beloved friends, it's in a very unique manner. Allah has His watchful eye over everything. Nothing escapes Him. No oppression ever escapes Him. Whoever does an iota of sin will see its punishment. When you see the news every single day of corruption happening in every part of the world, including our country, corruption, chaos, oppression, it is definitely nauseating to say the least. It makes you give up on humanity at times, at the other extreme. But because we believe in the Day of Judgment, and because we know that Allah is all just, we have to keep on constantly telling ourselves that how far you can hide, how long you're going to hide, how long you're going to run. Eventually this will all catch up to you, to the oppressors. Right? So we have to, to tell ourselves and explain to us and our children this beautiful aspect of Islam's belief in justice, the ultimate justice, that this world is too small and it's too short and it's too quick for true justice to be established. It's just not like that. This is all a testing ground. Okay? This is all a testing ground. That's all it is. And um, when, when there's an exam and everyone's writing exams, you can see people like, oh my God, he's giving a wrong answer. He's writing you wrong. Right? He's writing wrong. He's writing right. He's writing wrong. This guy, oh, I can't believe you got this simple question wrong. You got this simple question wrong. But no one says anything. Everyone's quiet. Someone is writing a piece. Someone is sitting there doodling, making little rainbow colors on it. He's making a little, whatever, talking to himself on his exam because he doesn't know anything. Other one is sitting there writing. Everyone's in exam. The teacher, the professor may walk by and see this guy is writing gibberish. He's not going to say anything. He's making, he sees in front of him, he's doing everything wrong. Not going to say anything. Because why? This is right now time for you to write. Right or wrong, just write. And this is exam, reward, uh, what you call exam gradings that happen afterwards. Results will be shown next week. So this dunya is what Ali radiallahu said, فَإِنَّ الْيَوْمَ عَمَلٌ وَلَا حِسَابٌ Today is an opportunity for you to work, 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 work. وَلَا حِسَابٌ And there's no accounting. There's no reward or punishment. وَغَدًا And tomorrow, حِسَابٌ It's only accounting. وَلَا عَمَلٌ And no opportunity for you to do anything. What an amazing hadith. Again, Abu Ali radiallahu anhu. The whole full hadith, I'll say it to you. I'll share it. Irtahalat al-dunya mudbirah, wartahalat al-akhiratu muqbilah. Dunya is wrapping up, and akhirah is unraveling. Dunya is wrapping up, and akhirah is unraveling. Walikulli wahid minhuma banoon, each one of them have their children. Each one of them have their sons, more specifically. Each one of them have their more sons, meaning people who desire dunya and people who desire akhirah. Fakunu min abna'il akhirah. Make sure you become from the sons of the hereafter. Walatakunu min abna'il dunya. Ensure you do not become from the sons of the dunya. Fa'inna liyoma amrun wala hisab. For indeed today is an opportunity to work, and you don't have to worry, or you're not going to be even enticed for that matter with any reward or punishment. Walghadan in tomorrow hisab and it's only it's only punishment or reward. Wala amal and no opportunity to work. So this is where this tamkeen comes. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, I'm going to give them power on this earth. And number four, And we're going to show Fir'aun and Haman and their armies. Why has been their armies been mentioned? Their armies. Some have said that because Haman was a secretary, or you can say chief of staff of Fir'aun. Many times you'll see, in, even in current um, different republics and different countries, there is a national army. And then there is like here, how we have here, a secret service Separate from, of course, all the other law enforcement agencies. 
In various different countries, they have a separate group of soldiers that are solely dedicated for the protection of the king. And uh, they report directly to the king, etc. So Fir'aun had his, uh, besides the public national armies, Fir'aun and Haman had their own private armies as well, private soldiers. That's what is probably yani one of the explanations of why uh, armies has been mentioned separately over here, referring to the private army of Fir'aun, private army of Haman. Uh, and it's mentioned that sometimes, um, you know, people would not listen to Fir'aun and they would listen to, uh, you like how it happens in many countries, they don't listen to the prime minister and president, there's a coup. And they go side with the chief of the army. So that's what is referring to here. There was at times when Haman would, you know, go against Fir'aun as well. Apparently in Egypt, in the, in the villages, uh, when they see someone trying to deceive someone, they say, Allah Haman, that are you acting like Haman? In a sense that are you trying to backstab me? Right? Referring to uh, the same thing. What an amazing uh, threat from Allah. And we will show them, right? The very fear that they had, that they were trying to guard themselves against, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made them. What was that fear? The fear of losing their kingdom. So, وَأُوحَيْنَا إِلَىٰ أُمِّ مُوسَىٰ أَنْ أَرْضِعِي Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala speaks about wahi to Musa alayhi mother. He said, reveal to Musa's mother after she had delivered him. An ardi'i, then nurse him. Fa'idha khifti alayhi, then when you fear for his life, fa'alqihi fil yam, cast him into the river in a basket. Wala takhafi, do not fear Fir'aun. Wala tahzani, do not grieve over this parting of yours with your son. Inna radduhu ilayk, indeed we shall more surely return him back to you. Waja'iluhu al mursaleen, and we shall make him one of the messengers of Allah. An amazing ayah here. Okay, so you see miracle upon miracle here. What, what is the surah, my beloved friends? This surah is all about recognizing the qudra and the power of Allah. If you remember last week I said, That's a khulasa of the surah. If Allah is with you, who can be against you? And if Allah is against you, who can ever help you against Him? If Allah is with you, who can ever harm you against you? And if Allah is against you, who can be of any benefit? Or in another manner, in another way, paraphrase, paraphrasing, Rasulullah s.a.w. speaking to Abdullah ibn Abbas radiallahu anhu. وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ الْأُمَّ لَوْ اجْتَمَعَتْ عَلَىٰ يَنْفَعُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَنْفَعُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ إِلَّا مَا قَدْ كَتَبَ اللَّهُ لَكَ وَعَلَمْ أَنَّ الْأُمَّ لَوْ اجْتَمَعُوا عَلَىٰ يَنْظُرُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ لَمْ يَنْظُرُوكَ بِشَيْءٍ إِلَّا قَدْ كَتَبَ اللَّهُ عَلَيْكَ Then no, my dear son, my dear Abdullah, if the entire ummah believe in this, my dear brothers, let's believe in this. May Allah give us yaqeen on this hadith. May Allah give us yaqeen on this important aspect of our aqidah. That if the entire ummah were to gather together, humans, jinn, and dogs, and animals, and cats, and technology, everything put together to benefit you somehow. Allahu Akbar. They will not be able to benefit you in the least unless until Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has already destined and ordained that for you. And if they have all gathered together to harm you, then you have to believe that. I mean, how many of us honestly believe that? Honestly, ask yourself, we don't believe in this. We might, I might say it, you heard it, but do we actually believe in it? That the whole world put together, all seven billion people put together, and all seven billion people's armies put together, and all the technology put together, all focus on one man. I want to destroy this guy. And they put the entire world comes after you. You have to have that fear, and you have to have that conviction rather, that they will not be, arm, harm, be able to harm me in the least, Unless it's already been written that then they didn't harm me because it was them against me. They harmed me because Allah wrote it. That's why. Allahu Akbar. They didn't harm me because they were strong. No, you can't harm me even no matter how strong you are. You can't harm me. You will only be able to harm me if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has written it. And then you can't say, ha ha, we got you. Because guess what? You never got me because, you, because of you. You got me because why? 
Allah had ordained it. Allah had ordained for me to get the reward in the akhirah. That's why He's allowing you to harm me today. That's the level of conviction. Where are we at from this? We're so far away from that. This is why there's oppression in this world. Simply because people are not, people are, no one is willing to speak the truth. No one is willing to speak up because we'll lose, you know, not just today, in today's atmosphere, all the time. This is the issue because everyone thinks he holds the keys to my job. He holds the keys to my career. She holds the keys to my, uh, my, my financial stability. And so I can't speak up. All the, all the oppression that happens at workforce, all the bad things that you all see in corporate America, all the time, right? Everywhere, everywhere within the army, within the corporate, within government, so much oppression, so much cheating, so much deception, so much zulm of every sort. And everyone gives the blind eye, moves on. Because why? Like, man, I don't want to create problems for myself. Isn't it? That's the idea. That's why adal and insaf and justice has gone down. Finish. Oppression has taken the order because people have, their yaqeen and aqidah is weak on this. So now, uh, this story is about the creating belief in you and I that what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills shall happen and the whole world put together cannot stop him. That's it. So now, which mother would ever, ever think of placing her son in, in the river so that he could be saved from Fir'aun. Fir'aun is not in front of him, her. Fir'aun is killing, is not in front. That is dhanni, dhanni al-waqoor. Fir'aun killing him, although it's very likely, but it's not 100%. Sure. Yeah? But you're throwing a newborn baby into the river, that's 100% death. You are giving preference to something which is absolutely going to kill him. So, so you can protect your child from something which may happen. That doesn't seem to be very logical. And no mother would ever in her right mind do that. How can you possibly pull this off? Why would you do this? It's because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is revealing Allah to her heart. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is inspiring her to do something. Alright? And this is very ajib. That although Fir'aun ordered every single person to be killed, all the children to be killed, but that one child who actually was going to bring down his kingdom, he not only kept them alive, subhanAllah, he raised them in his house. How like, ironic is all of this? Um, and you understand that when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants to do something, He will place veils over people's minds and hearts and eyes. They can't see it. We put a wall in front, a wall in the back. We made them blind so they can't see. This happens all the time. How many times do you all have experienced that? You read dua and everyone, someone is stopping everyone but let you go. Anything. So many times. You've been in situations. You're reading dua. A friend of mine, he says, he, I don't know what he was doing, speeding or what. He got pulled over by the police. So then... He started reading his du'as, right? So the police officer, he took his driver's license, everything, insurance card. And then he's like, all right, I'm going to let you go this time, okay? So I'll let you go with a warning. And just drive safe and stuff like that. So then he, he looked at this guy. He tells the police, you know why you're letting me go? <laughs> he's like, what? You know why you're letting me go? And he said, what is that? He said, because you know why? Because I read the du'as. That's why. That's why you're not giving me a ticket. Because I read all the du'as as soon as you pulled me over. SubhanAllah. I said, then what did he do? He must have given you a ticket after that. He said, no. He was like, okay. That's very interesting and move on. Right? So people have this, this, this type of du'a. You, you, many times people read it and say, wow, how is it, mashallah, my needs are being fulfilled. I'm sure, alhamdulillah, we've seen, mashallah, so many stories we all have. If you, of, of through a'mal getting our things taken care of. 
What happens? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala makes people deaf, dumb, and blind for you. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not want something to happen, then the guy who was sleeping, he'll wake him up too. The guy who never cared about this issue, he will come up, come your way, and he'll cause problems. We see that as well. You're trying to build a home, you're trying to build something, whatever the case may be. All of a sudden, you see obstacles upon obstacles, right? Sometimes you see that in your job, in your house, in your car, in your business. You see, where did this obstacle come from? And sometimes things just go this quick. So when you have a lot of these type of obstacles, you need to ask yourself, what's going wrong? Maybe there's something wrong. I shouldn't, you know, that's stupidity if you just ignore it. You should wake up to see why am I faced with so many obstacles. Let me now use this opportunity to turn to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Let me give sadaqah. Let me fast. Let me get up for tahajjud. And let me ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to remove these obstacles. This is too weird. The fact that so many things are happening. Right? There's something going on. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala now, there's a powerful ayah of Surah Anfal. Ayah 24. Allah says, Know very well. Indeed, know very well. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, Know very well that indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Will come between you And Come between you and uh, And your heart I repeat Know very well That indeed Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Can come between you And your heart This is a really Deep words here That's why there's one dua. Allahumma kama hulta baini wa baina qalbi fahul baini wa baina ma'asiyatik. Oh Allah, the way you, have, you, are, you come between me and my heart, come between me and your disobedience. Okay, I don't think we are fully understanding this ayah. Basically, وَمَا تَشَاءُونَ إِلَّا Allah. You can't wish anything unless Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wishes it. Sometimes people say, man, you said you're going to do it, why are you not doing it? You, you are so convinced that you're going to do something. And then what happened? How is it that you backed out? That's pretty scary. That means tawfiq was taken away. That's it. How many thousands of people have made intention to do thousands of good things but don't do it? What's happening? It's Allah comes between you and your heart. So now what? Should we get upset at Allah? That doesn't seem to be the right thing. Instead, we have to beg Allah forgiveness. That Ya Allah, please forgive me for whatever I may have done because of which I am now missing out and losing out on what? Tawfiq. Do not give yourself an excuse. Oh, I didn't do that because of X, Y, Z. Then you're never going to get out of this problem. Instead, tell yourself, honestly, I was determined to do X, Y, Z. How am I not able to do this? That good deed. Why am I not able to do this? I just don't feel like it anymore. Why don't I feel like it? People say, I just don't. Well, no, you need to reflect. Why don't you? Why don't you? Don't think that you are, you know, the fact that you don't want to means it's a good sign. No. You need to reflect and say, why don't I want to do something when I had intention to do that? This means I have lost out tawfiq. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is coming between me and my heart. So now this is scary stuff. So now we need to beg Allah, make dua. Ya Allah, please. Allahumma aqbil bi qalbi ila deenik. Oh Allah, turn my direction of my heart towards your deen. Allahumma Aqbil bi qalbi ila deenik. Allah, turn the direction of my heart towards your deen. Allahumma khudh bi nasiyati ila khair. Allah, grab me by my forelock and drag me towards goodness. Even if I don't want to. This is how we should ask Allah. If you can say it in Arabic, no problem. Say it in your own language. Allah, grab me by my forelock and drag me towards your deen. Allah, I don't want to wake up early in the morning. I don't want to fast. I don't want to wake up for tahajjud. I don't want to come early. I don't want to stay in the masjid for programs. This is who I am. I have become this. I wasn't like this before. I've become this now. 
Now, Ya Allah, please, I beg you to change the direction of my heart. If you ask Allah, why will Allah not give it to you? But my brothers, if we become arrogant, and we say, I don't want to do it, and I don't care at the fact that I'm not doing it anymore, then why is Allah going to guide us? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Oh Muhammad, are you going to force the people for them to become believers? Are you going to force them? <laughs> it doesn't work like that. <laughs> do you expect us? In another verse, Allah says, Do you expect us to force down iman down their throats when they don't want it? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is not going to force you to do anything. You have to want it yourself. So, how are we supposed to move forward now? When you, we were noticing there's so many good things that we should be doing, but we don't feel like doing it. And then the answer is, you, we start making dua for that. Saying, Ya Allah, I don't know why I am in this state of qabl right now. Qabl, where it's like, it's a, qabl is a, a term used for the heart becoming disinclined to do what you're supposed to do. Right? You're just disinterested in deen. That's called qabl in the is, uh, terminology of tazkiyah. Right? So if you're going through qabl, where you just don't feel like doing things, what have the ulama have told us of tazkiyah, the experts? They say you don't do things because you feel like doing it. You just gotta do it. You man, I don't feel like getting up for fajr. I'm so, you have shed, it's so hard, grudgingly. You could be angry at the person who woke you up. Go ahead and get up and pray. You could be angry at the fact that you have to pray. No problem, just zip it up. Don't say anything. Drink water, say, I will be shaitan rajim and do dhikr. Deen is not about doing things what you enjoy doing. Deen is about doing what you have to do whether you like it or not. And sometimes you will like it and sometimes you won't like it. And that's fine. Sometimes you will do things of the deen which you don't like and you will actually get more reward because you are going against your nafs. Because you're going against uh, what you like to do. But do it because you know you have to do it. And there's actually more reward in that. Subhanallah. Because you're doing things only for Allah. That's pure ikhlas. Because there's no even hadhu nafsik. Your nafs doesn't even have a share in it. Because you know when your nafs has a share, you're enjoying. Like some of us may enjoy some ibadah. Alhamdulillah, you're doing it for the Allah, but you also enjoy doing it. Yeah? But then sometimes you don't enjoy doing something. And it's for Allah. That's more ikhlas there. Because there, there is no enjoyment aspect of it. So, it applies over here in so many different places. Because Mufti, uh, what's his name? Uh, he, uh, Musa alayhi mother's situation is also this that the mamta, the, the motherly love, would not want her to throw the child away. And actually, it's mentioned in, in Tafsir Sha'rawi here, based on some other Tafsir. That when the army showed up outside of the house and she knew that oh, oh her son is going to get caught, she unknowingly pushed him into a little hole that was between her and the neighbor's hole, uh, hole in the wall, and she was so perplexed and worried. After the army left to see there was no child there, she found out that that was a oven, and in that oven she realized that she just. Stuck him in an oven where they used to probably, you know, and that the oven was still hot from the previous meal or whatever. But Musa alayhi salam, the little unborn, newborn baby, was absolutely sahih salim, completely protected, not burnt. So this was a bishara and a glad tiding that what you're about to do now, throw her and throwing him into the sea and the river, he will, he's under special protection from Allah. He's not like your normal baby. So don't worry about it. Otherwise, he should have been burnt right now here. But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not allow him to get burnt. Similarly, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will not allow him to, inshallah, drown. So this is what you see is that Allah did not allow the mother to act on the dictates or the, uh, the muqtada of a, of a mother. But instead, 
she um, went ahead with what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspired her to do. Okay, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, keep on, uh, keep on nursing him until you're scared, then throw him into the river. Wala takhafi. So this, uh, this ayah ulama say is very interesting because there are two imperatives, two amr, two prohibitions, and two bisharah, two glad tidings. Um, this is the first imperative for the students of Arabic language. This is interesting. Ardi'i is one amr, alqi is a second amr. La takhafi is the first nahi, la tahzin is second nahi. Radu ilayk is the first bishara, ja'iluhul mursaleen, second bishara. Right? Two glad tidings, two prohibitions, and two commands. All together in one verse. There is another verse that we covered when we did the tafsir of Surah Taha. Okay? And I'm going to go over that. Surah Taha, ayah 38 and 39. When we reveal to your mother what we revealed, what was revealed. To throw him into the basket. And then throw him. Yes, qadhafa means to throw. Qadhafa does not mean motherly love, wrap him up in a nice blanket, give him a nice cute kiss, and put him there with a little flower or something like that. No. Qadhafa means to throw with shidda, with strength. Throw him into the box, and then throw him into the river. And let the river throw him, <laughs> throw the box at the uh, uh, you know, seashore. And then my enemy and your enemy, my enemy and his enemy shall take him. And O oh Musa, I place your love in the hearts of people. And so that you would be raised right in front of my eyes. Whose eyes? Allah's eyes. Yani, of course, in the manner that befits him, yani, in, front of it, in front of him. So some people said, what's, up, what's the point of having these two verses? They pretty much are speaking about the same thing. And it's not. I'm going to give you a little bit of detail here. There's a difference. Surah Taha, ayah 38 and 39, and Surah Qasas, ayah 7. There's a whole different method of speaking here. The first one, is which we're doing here in Surah Qasas, it's specifically about nursing. About, about in, informing Musa Islam's mom how long she should nurse and then when she should give up. Okay? And the second one is when the army actually attacks, what should you do? So if, for example, you're telling your next door neighbor this right now, nowadays, there's a lot of thieves, there's a lot of robberies happening at night. So you're giving the whole like, yeah, explanation of, you know, we got to protect yourself, lock all your doors, this, that, that, type, type of thing like that. And then Allah forbid, a robbery actually happens next week. And so now when doing a robbery is in progress, you're going to be screaming from your side of the house, get out, run over here, do this, do that, whatever, you're trying to give them safety. So you, a lot of that is repetition of what you have spoken about the previous week. But the method you're speaking is going to be naturally different. It's going to be much more fast-paced, it's going to be screaming at the top of your lungs, and you're going to leave out all unnecessary details. So that's what you can understand these two different ayats. One was mentioned before, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala informing her beforehand, hey, you know, things may take, a, things may take a unexpected turn in your life. Right? And then you got to stay calm and so forth. That's this. Right? All of these things. That hey, you keep on nursing and then if you feel afraid in the future, alqa, see this doesn't mean to throw him harshly. That, that word has not been used here. Alqa, you know, place him in the river and then hey, you know, don't worry about it. Everything will be fine. And don't worry about the future. Don't grieve over the past. Don't worry about Fir'aun. Don't worry about anything else. We're going to bring him right back to you. And not just, he's not going to come right back to you just like that. He's going to come back, subhanAllah, as a prophet. So that, this revelation is like the first revelation.
The second revelation is happening when the actual incident is taking place. Now it's much more rushed. Throw him into quickly in a box. The word throw has been mentioned here now, not place. And then throw the box into the river. And not idea of don't worry, no sad, nothing. We don't have time for that right now. Right now it's get on, get with the move. I'm just telling you that the river will, will, will spew, spew him out onto the sea bank, a river bank. And that's it. And what's going to happen? My enemy and his enemy will capture him. But he's going to come back to you. So this is the difference. Yani, I don't know if you all, well, I was able to do justice to explaining these two verses to you. I hope I did. But the fact that they are similar in the, the description, uh, talking about the same scene, but there is an order. One came first and the other one. One is preparing her in more detail. The type of words that have been used is gives you ta'anni and waqar and things slowly building up. And the second one is, you can see the fast-pacedness of it and the fact that there's less detail in it. It's just subhanAllah beautiful of how uh, every single thing in the Qur'an is, is, is all yani, placed there so, uh, in such a beautiful manner. Okay, now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fil yam. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling the sea that you need to spit it out. This is talking about the army of Allah. That everything reports to Allah. The earth reports to Allah. The sea reports to Allah. The river reports to Allah. The skies report to Allah. So when you have, we know you talk about vertical integration. He said, man, this company is doing very well because from A to Z, they've got, they're only, they're, they're not only do the manufacture of the product, they've taken over the shipping of the product as well and the maintenance of the project to every single thing they do in one, under one company, banner. Well, this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from A to Z, complete vertical integration. When He needs to deliver it safely to you, then everything is working for Him, right? So the river will be told to do this, the ocean bank will be told to do this, Fir'aun and, and Asya will be told to do this. Everyone will be working for, for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's plan to come up. فَالْتَقَطَهُ آلُ فِرْعَوْنَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, thereafter the house of Fir'aun retrieved him from the river Nile because the box, the, the tabut in which he's in, simply popped up, came right by, and it just, it just manifested itself as, the, as Fir'aun and his, and, his, and his family were going on a stroll on the, on, the, on the river banks. So someone from the household, either his soldiers, his security, someone picked him up. Now when they picked him up, Allah said in Surah Taha, وَأَلْقَيْتُ عَلَيْكَ مَحَبَّةِ I placed your mahabba in the hearts of the people. The ulama say here, this means that, this, from, from this they say that, under the tafsir of this rather, that Musa was not necessarily the most attractively handsome baby uh, in terms of his physical appearance at that time. So, and I guess he had a lot of jalal too, you know. So, uh, he was not the most attractive. So, it's, you know, sometimes you say it's just the cuteness that the baby captures you. So that's not what I was happy with Musa Alayhi Yani, uh, he w- it was not that, meaning this was pure karama mu'jiza. This was a pure miraculous love that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed in the hearts of the people. When some things are just natural because something, someone's so beautiful and charismatic, you just, oh, that smile, I can't, I can't just kill him. It wasn't like that for Musa Alayhi <laughs> he, he didn't have those attractive looks. But it was because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala placed his muhabba into the hearts of whoever saw him, that's why he's able to get his way across get his way in. This adds to the miraculous way Allah took care of Musa. Our iman is being now renewed again. That stop depending on asbab of this world. Stop thinking, some, stop thinking that if you don't have wealth, you don't have money, you don't have looks, you can't get anywhere. Right? This is what we are told. No, when Allah has a plan for you, you don't need any of those things. And when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not have a plan for you, all of that also won't help you. 
This is what we're learning in every portion of every ayah. Our iman on Allah has to keep on increasing. Stop believing on means of this world and start believing on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's qudra. Now who, who fell in love with, uh, with Musa? We all know one was the wife, Asiya. But there was also his daughter, Ibn At-Firaun. His daughter apparently had a, a, a disease, bars, skin disease. White spots all over. So she was perturbed with that. And so then she saw a dream. She saw a dream that your shifa and your cure is going to come through the banks of the river. In a box, there'll be something there. And you take something from there and place it on your skin. So a little while later, some days later, this incident happened. And she thought, what a dream I saw in here. I see a box. So she opened the box, of course, with those who are around her. And there is Musa. What, what am I supposed to apply over here? So she took the saliva of this newborn baby and applied it to all her spots. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted her shifa. So he's, and, so, and Asiya fell in love with him. So now you got two women of the house who, are, who have fallen in love with this baby. One is a daughter. One is a wife. And from here we learn, I, I alluded to this last week, that the way Musa salam got inside the house was through two women. One is a wife and one is a daughter. And this is the two things to the heart of a man. One is the wife and one is the children, generally speaking. And if there's a daughter, then for sure a daughter as well, even more so. And they can use this for great benefit or they can use this for great harm. Here we have a very important uh, topic to share. Ad- addressing women making them understand that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them some very unique abilities. From among those abilities, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given them what I call a soft power. That they have an ability to get to a man. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala anatomically, physiologically has made men and women different. And has, men, has made men usually physically stronger, larger b- bodies. And in the world, they've had uh, majority of the positions of leadership and power. So if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did not give women something to balance this out, the women may have ended up becoming oppressed all the time. Especially at the hands of men who do not have control over their nafs, who are not inclined towards uh, humbling themselves in front of a divine code of you know, law and simply follow their instincts and do whatever they want. So the balance would be not present in all relationships between a man and a woman. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given women what I call the soft power. That power is <clears throat> the attractiveness that Allah has put in a woman for a, in a man's heart. The men are attracted to women. And if a man, lady uses this for benefit, that she uses her, her, the husband's love for her, the children's appreciation for their mother, the mercy that the older or younger brothers may have on her, um, the love that her dad has for her, if she uses this for the deen, the whole house can change. Not the whole house, the whole tribe can change. And unfortunately, if she uses flip side, she uses this uh, soft power to stop the deen from spreading and only uses that to fulfill her own lustful desires and her own plots and plans, then not only she will ruin her akhirah, but unfortunately, she has the capacity and the ability to take hundreds and thousands with her. 
This is the power women have, which they don't realize, maybe at times. They, fall, they act upon it many, many times, but they don't understand. That's why there is a weak hadith. The wording are weak, maybe even uh, very weak. But the meaning definitely is true. Which is, The women are the snares of shaitan. Now, what does that mean? I explained this hadith to our students. I said, okay, the words may be extremely weak and you don't need to quote this as a hadith. No problem. But the meaning, let's understand it. It simply is talking about the fact that women are a fitna for man. This is not as much as an, a, 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 a... This is not as much as a, uh, as a rebuke to women as it is a wake-up call to men. That men are being told that you need to realize that your soft spot and your weak corner is the women in your family. Your wife and your children, generally speaking, and uh, more specifically from this story, we understand the wife and the daughter. Because of the love that you and I have for these people in our lives, if we don't watch ourselves properly, we may end up breaking the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in order to please them. And so, shaitan knows that. Look at in every mystery story, in every single movie out there, in every book out there. The, the main, the main uh, character will always, the detective or the agent, special agent or whoever else that you want to call it. When they try to get him through the missiles, he somehow dodges the missiles. He dodges all the bullets. He dodges all the poisonous food. But he simply can't dodge a lady. And that's how, the, this is the old trick that is still today used by many of the agencies across the globe. Still used, still used, fully. And we don't realize that until after the whole operation is done. You can read about recent operations that have been done in the past four or five decades by leading intelligence agencies. There's movies on them, there's books on them, there's documentaries on it. And you'll see how they have used women to get to some of the masterminds of their enemy or whatever else. They use women to get that. It's an old trick. And so the men are being told that you need to understand that your weak spot is women. Do not allow women to make you fall into sin. A person is, 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 is how many men are there who are happily married? SubhanAllah. But then they fall into affairs. Thousands, millions. Or how many of them are happily married? All of a sudden, they feel that someone else is more attractive, more kind, more generous, more exciting to be with because they were just sitting on the same flight on the way to Umrah. Honestly, I get all sorts of questions like this. All sorts of questions um, you know, of this sort. So I tell him, this is, this is just all shaitan. Please, you know, say, Shaykh, what, can I get married? Like, you know, we never speak about this part now here. I, you know, the amount of second marriage questions we get all the time. I said, listen, bhai, this is all, you go back and, and say, I'll be Najib and just go home, get out of here. So no, no, but you know, I saw this person on the flight, subhanAllah, honestly, so charming, so welcoming, so nice, and my wife's never been like this, we've been married for 15 years. The conversations we had on the flight were just so much more interesting than I've ever had at home. What nonsense are you speaking about? Seriously. Like, you don't, you don't understand this? But no, no, seriously, Shaykh, please, is it haram? No, I didn't say it's haram. I never said that it's haram. How could I say it's haram? But the long term, more than likely, the harm that you're going to put yourself and your children to, you don't realize. This is a, a simple reason to, 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 to bring an end to your relationship with your kids and ruin your relationship with your first wife and everything else. This is not how it's supposed to be. There are places and time for that. I'm not saying there isn't. Of course, all these, there's, too many, there's more women than men 
who are unmarried and who are divorced and subhanAllah single mothers there's so many that's true that's a very serious issue we have in our community who's going to look after them that's, that's there but for, the, for this person who says I had a conversation and now I'm so attracted they got to remember this hadith or they got to remember the saying that this is a method to bring you down just remember all the criminal, uh, criminal crime stories and novels you have read how it always women are used <clears throat> so again for my beloved mothers and sisters and daughters out there I hope you understand I am not rebuking and nor is Quran or Hadith rebuking you it's simply alarming men to make them understand where their weak points are so that they do not fall into sin and they do not break the orders of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and the reminder from this story here is that if only women were to start using their muscles <laughs> right their soft muscles for being the house will change if those mothers and those wives who tell their husbands to say, you know what, that's it, we're gonna go, we're gonna, you're gonna go for Aisha today. You're going to go for Aisha, and we're gonna have dinner after Aisha, right? And you are going to uh, not waste time on this, and you're gonna do this. Things will change at home, so much at home, if the moms and the daughters and the sons were to really create, not to say order and command and scream at your husband. No, we're not saying that, but by creating a nice, beautiful environment. I remember I was uh, asked to fundraise for a youth group, long ago, 2000s in some masjid and this was the mashallah first fundraiser for that youth group and the one brother was sitting in front of me he, he, he said he, he wrote a $5,000 check for the youth group and he said this $5,000 is actually because of my daughter she's sitting upstairs listening and she said Baba you know I'm graduating from high school and I know you're going to throw a party for me please don't throw a party for me I'd rather you give that money towards the youth group right this is what I'm trying to say daddy's princess when she comes and tells daddy no do, please do this which father is going to say no? Baba, I love you and you, I will love you even more if you start going to the masjid. Right? I, I really want you to start going to the masjid. I want you to stop smoking. I want you to stop going, hanging out with friends. I hope uh, these type of friends. I want you to stop coming early and not you know, going out with these type of people. If a wife and a daughter and a son were to start working on their husbands, and for those women who are listening to me, you know, subhanAllah, if you start creating a beautiful environment at home to say, oh, we're going to try to get the husband in, to the deen, to the masjid, the, house, the environment of the house will change. And then the men, if you have a wife or a daughter or a son like that, don't think they are nagging you. You are one out of a billion. <laughs> one out of a million. You're very lucky. You're very lucky that you have a wife or a daughter or a son, for that matter, who cares for you and pushes you to the masjid. There are many husbands who I know who want to come to the masjid, but their wives don't allow them. They want to spend in the path of Allah, but their wives don't allow them. They want to go, they want to go in good places, but their wives take them a different direction. Alhamdulillah, you're blessed that you don't have that type of situation. So you should not give a hard time to your spouse. But instead, become malleable, become understanding to say, what does my wife want from me? She wants deen, good for me. Remember the beautiful hadith of Rasulullah Rahimallahu Imran. May Allah have mercy on that man who wakes up at night and performs this tahajjud salah. And then goes, wakes up his wife. فَإِنْ abat, If she refuses to wake up, نَضَحَ فِي وَجْهِهَا الْمَاءِ He sprinkles water over her face to wake her up. Then may Allah have mercy on that wife. قَامَتْ مِنَ الليل, She wakes up at night. Salat, she performs her salat to Hajjud Qiyamul Layl. Thumma, what does she do? Aiqada zawjaha wa ahlaha. She goes, wakes up her husband. Fa'in aba, if he refuses to wake up, then the wife, nadahat fi wajhi alma, sprinkles water on his face. Rasulullah is making dua for you. Oh, dear couples. We should, those who are not married, when you make dua for a, for a husband or wife, don't just make dua for someone who's got a bunch of money and, and drives a G wagon, huh? And mashallah has a beautiful, uh, what you call, she's very beautiful and, and blue eyes and blonde hair. No, there's something more to life than that. 
besides G-Wagon and blue eyes and, 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 and blonde hair. There's something called deen. That's what all of the unmarried men and women should be making dua. I want a wife or I want a husband that will make sure I don't miss my tahajjud and will pray with me. What a life your life is made if that's the spouse you have. That, you know, and if those who are not there yet and who are married, don't say, I gotta go find a second one now. No, I never said that. I said, now you're gonna work on this one. Right? You're gonna work in the environment. Whoever's listening to me has gotta start working. Right? Whoever's listening, maybe some of the wives are listening, some of the husbands are listening. We gotta go say, okay, fine, we gotta create an environment at our home. But honestly, how many of you have decided to make this environment at your home? We always say, okay, this year my business is gonna grow. This year I'm gonna go for this vacation. I gotta save up airline points because I gotta go take my kids on a vacation. We do so much planning. How many of you and I have sat there and said, you know what, that's it. The house environment of my home this year is gonna change. I'm gonna work on this. I'm gonna sit there and come up with a game plan of how I'm going to create environments in which my spouse will start coming towards the deen. All those women, use your intelligence that Allah has given you. Use your smartness that Allah has given you to figure out how you're gonna tempt your man to come towards the deen. And all the men who are so, mashallah, CEOs and CFOs and directors, director level in all your IT companies, why don't you start thinking, how are you gonna come up with a plan to get your wife towards the deen? If everyone starts thinking along these lines, Things will happen. And as soon as wife and the husband both are on their path towards the deen, the children are of course going to follow. They'll realize, man, this is what the environment of the home is. We got to go with the flow. This is how it is. Right? As long as we're staying under this roof, we got to follow the deen. So understand what happened in this whole powerful story. Allah placed the heart, the love of Musa into the heart of Firaun's wife and the Firaun's daughter. And game over. Firaun couldn't do anything. So for the wives out there who are trying to bring their husbands to the deen, your husband might be not the best guy out there, he might not be the most loving, caring maybe, maybe not the most practicing, but I promise you, he's not Pharaoh. He's not Pharaoh. He cannot be Pharaoh. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala even changed Pharaoh and brought everything different due to the wife and the daughter. So, uh, another hadith comes to mind, Al-waladu majbanatun mabkhalatun A child is a source of, so again, I'm highlighting this, so people don't think I'm pointing fingers at women. Because then what are you going to say about this authentic hadith? I'm not pointing fingers at men either, a boy, a children either. It says a child is a source of stinginess and cowardice. What does that mean? That when you're asked to give in the path of Allah, everyone's like, oh man, I got three kids and their college fund and their marriage. So you're not giving because you're thinking about your kids. So what happened? This, the love for the child has created stinginess within us. And number two, majbana. You're asked, to give, you're asked to put yourself in harm's way for the deen, for the sake of Allah, for the protection of your home. And you say, no, I got little kids. Who's going to take care of them if I put myself in harm's way? So now, it's created a cowardice within the man. Indeed, your wealth and your children are a test. Indeed, some of your spouses and some of your children are your enemy. Some of them are your enemy. So be careful. Do not allow their love to overtake you. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, Ali Fir'aun picked him up. Why did he pick him up? They didn't pick him up for what Allah is saying. In, uh, from their end, they picked him up because they wanted to adopt him. Asiya said, oh, I love him. We don't have a son. Our daughter doesn't have a sibling. We want to have a young baby boy. So they picked, Asiya said, let's take him in as an adopted son. Allah says, no, you're not taking him to be your adopted son. I'll tell you why you're taking him. <laughs> so that Musa could become for you in the future your enemy and a cause of your grief. Okay, isn't this powerful? I don't know if you all are enjoying this. Like, you're thinking you're doing something. All of us in our daily life, you think you're you're doing this because I'm trying to quench my thirst. Bismillah. But Allah forbid, if something else was written for me, 
then I'm not drinking to quench my thirst. I'm drinking for, to get sick. You went out to dinner to eat food because you wanted to enjoy a night out. But what was written? A week of stomach poison. Stomach poisoning and vomiting. Right? So it's again you understand the qudra of Allah. What meets the eye may not be the truth. You don't even know what you're getting yourself into. This is not just Fir'aun. It's all of us. This is called lamul aqibah. Lamus aqibah. The lamb that is referring to the ending. Did Musa become an enemy as soon as, soon as he entered? No. At the age of 20? No. Much, much later. Did he become a source of grief? No. He became only a source of grief much, much later when Fir'aun drowned. So many times things will take time for it to come to fruition. Just relax. Be patient. Inna Fir'aun Haman. Indeed, Fir'aun and Haman. Wajunudahuma. And their entire armies. Kanu khati'in. They were sinful people. That's one explanation. And also, they were wrong. They didn't know. They made such huge blunders that they, you know, apne paon pe khud kulhari mari. They actually shot themselves in the leg. Yet the heart of Moses became devoid of any feeling for anyone except for Musa salam. She was just thinking, what's going to happen to Musa if I throw him into the river? She was very nearly going to disclose his identity. She was about to say, when she, some say when she was about to throw Musa, oh my son, she would have been caught. Or when she was called, because as the story goes, when she was called to nurse Musa, because no one else wanted to, no, no other lady was able to nurse him, what happened? When Musa immediately began to get nursed by the mother, she could have said, oh my dear Musa, at last. Any of these exclamations that could have happened would have let the cat out of the bag and it would be game over. But Allah allowed that mother to control her tongue. Where does that strength come from? The mom's emotions for a newborn, there's nothing in the world comparable to that. What gives you the strength to stay in silent? Allah. So Allah bulwata bhi hai, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala karwata hai. Allah has the ability to make the one who can't speak, speak. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who can make the one who, who should be speaking, not speak. Who am I speaking about cannot speak and speak? Uh, many. But also the daughter, uh, you know, Subhanallah The Mashitatu Fir'aun Will inshallah remind me next week or so I'll try to share that story The, 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 hair, the hairdresser The young lady Who used to uh, Take care of the hair Of Fir'aun and the family It's her story What happened Subhanallah that Rasulullah mentioned in hadith I would like to share that inshallah next time But it's a story of a child speaking up Who, who should not be speaking up Because he's a newborn baby so on Isa's story, of course, is there too. So people who don't speak, Allah can make them speak. And people who should be speaking, Allah can make them silent. How did she stay silent? Because we secured her heart. This comes in the ayah, Surah Kahf. We strengthened. Rabata means to tie. We secured the hearts of those shabab when they stood up to the king and they spoke the truth. Otherwise, they shouldn't have been able to speak the truth. They should have been scared. But they spoke the truth to power because Allah gave them the strength. So similarly, Allah gave her the strength and secured her heart so that she doesn't speak up. So she could remain from amongst the believers of the unfailing faith. We'll stop over here, inshallah. Uh, and uh, if you have any questions, inshallah, slido.com, 408-6832. 408-6832 is today's number. You can take a picture of the QR code as well. A few announcements as we... Uh, get some questions.
alhamdulillah today is giving tuesday so if you uh, if you haven't getting an opportunity to give sadaqah today, please do so across the globe and across the country, especially we do have um, uh, you know, a day of giving, like people spend on Fridays and Mondays, Cyber Monday, it's followed by an opportunity for us to give sadaqah, so I encourage everyone today, some amount, alhamdulillah, try to give uh, on, on Giving Tuesday as well. Um, and then this Friday we'll have, uh, this Friday we'll have is, uh, Islamic estate planning, how to protect your family, leave a legacy, and fulfill your religious obligations by Hafiz Yasir. Uh, he is a wealth management attorney from Arizona. He's flying all the way from there to spend the night here, for evening with us here. And Saturday, Team Fajr also, inshallah, he'll be speaking uh, like a part two of it, answering questions about, about this topic. So kindly, please tune in. I know this is a topic that is very new to our community, and usually these type of talks are not happening. So I know whoever shared it with, they're very excited. This workshop will cover what happens if I die without a plan, what are the Islamic rules of inheritance, and are they legal in the U.S.? What is the difference between a will and a trust? How to avoid probate and minimize taxes? How can I leave sadaqah jariyah to build endowments after my death? Right? These are some of the things that we'll inshallah be covering. He'll be doing also uh, some gatherings in other places. It's called Smarter Sadaqah. How to uh, learn um, advanced giving strategies often used by other faith groups. Uh, the way they use their um, collective giving to impact, to increase the impact of their charity, lower their tax liabilities, and build sustainable institutions. So we have him coming, inshallah. Uh, Allah, um, subhanallah. So I want all of you to, to join us for that. And then we have eight days left or nine days left for our annual banquet. If you have not bought your ticket, please do so today, right now. Uh, I'm asking every one of you to please understand that, you know, everyone's thinking we'll buy it later on. We're at about 36%, 36% of ticket sales. So almost what? 65% have not been sold yet. So I request all of you who have not bought a ticket yet, or your families haven't bought it, kindly please support the institution. I know you love the institution, you benefit from it throughout the year. This is once a year only we have a dinner, and the only other fundraiser we have is during Ramadan. So I request all of you who haven't bought your tickets, please do so today on your way out. Um, and those who are listening, listening online, the fundraiser and the entire banquet will be live streamed as well. So wherever you are in the nation, you can listen, but please do participate by purchasing your ticket, even if you're not able to make it. Additionally, this year marks 10 years since Masjid Darussalam opened. So inshallah, we'll have an amazing uh, program lined up for you where the graduates of the Alamiya program, both on the boys and the girls' side, will be sharing the stories of their impact in society from East Coast to West Coast and across Chicago land area. Girls and boys, graduates of the seminary will inshallah speaking about their impact. I want you all to come and listen and benefit from that. We have, of course, an amazing children's program as well and great food that's going to be served family style right at your table. Um, <clears throat> then we are also looking for uh, sponsorships. I spoke about it last tafsir. We are looking for an opportunity for uh, partnering up with Muslim businesses. Through this we hope that it will strengthen the Muslim economy. And this is, you can say, uh, yellow pages, Muslim yellow pages of sorts. Um, those, two, those businesses that will, inshallah, um, uh, uh, who, who want to get uh, well known in the Muslim community This is your one and only opportunity Where we have an opportunity for sponsorship We do not do sponsorships in Ramadan Or any other event It's only during our annual dinner What we'll be doing differently this year Along with advertising your business in the, At the dinner in front of 1200 people inshallah, We'll also be sending the booklet With all your, the businesses that have supported the masjid uh, Periodically across all of our social media channels And so inshallah your business Will get exposure to the Muslim community Throughout the entire year um, So please reach out Take a picture of this if you want And reach out to Muslim businesses And ask them to contact us Inshallah 
um, within, within this week so that we can have these uh, taken care of. This is the schedule for, um, on the, for the winter intensive. There are flyers outside as well. It's the schedule's already out. Everything. 6 a.m. till 6 p.m. during December 23rd to 25th. Alhamdulillah, uh, we're going to be covering amazing topics that most of us have never heard of being discussed. Islam in the workplace, medicine as a case study, Sharia compliant earning, financing, and investing, riba in contemporary times, halal or haram, United Eid challenges and solutions, significance of halal consumption, nourishing the body and soul, uncovering the meat industry, the need for Zabiha certification, a theological exploration of takfir. Takfir means when you say someone else is a disbeliever. How far is too far? Navigating innovations, bid'ah versus sunnah, a historical origins of controversy. Muslim encounters with European modernity, spousal support and child custody matters in Islam, big issue with all the divorces that we see happening. Contextualizing Islamic law in America, how flexible is it? Right, so these are the amazing topics that will be covered this year in the 23rd to 25th intensive. Please register for that. This program is not only for the adults, we'll have a parallel program for youth and child care as well. So alhamdulillah for the entire family, of course age appropriate for the younger ones. Um, and if you do not get the, uh, if you're not part of the WhatsApp group, you're here first time joining for our tafsir, uh, please take a quick picture of this, and so you can join uh, the uh, tafsir, um, sorry, events group, and you'll get messages for all our programs. Tuesday tafsir, Saturday team fajr, links to all of our programs, inshallah. <clears throat> take a, a picture of that, inshallah. And I'll leave it on the. How can I turn weightlifting into a form of ibadah? You make your intention correct. Don't miss your salah. Don't do weightlifting in a place where there are non-mahrams in front of you uh, in extremely inappropriate clothing. That's, then that's not ibadah, obviously. You should try to uh, utilize your own home gyms or in the masjid gym, etc. And make niyyah that al-mu'min al-qawiyah khayrum al-mu'min al-da'if. Rasulullah said, a strong Muslim is better than a weak Muslim. So, um, with that niyyah, inshallah, that'll be ibadah. If a, um, if, a husband is, any, if a husband is making a mistake leading a wife, can she correct the salah? Anytime a, a, female makes a, mis, a male, makes, male makes a mistake while leading salah, and the hadith mentions, nisa. the men should say, Allahu Akbar, and the women should make a clapping sound. Even the takbir should not be said out loud, because it is not befitting for a lady to be saying takbir in the presence of men. Okay? SubhanAllah, just think about that, how far we've gone away from that teaching. Um, so, <clears throat> even if it's a wife at home, since it's salah, we should not be uh, correcting. We should rather just do tasfiq, the clapping sound. How du'as for seeking sustenance, struggling to find a job. May Allah grant you uh, uh, with ease a halal job. Amin al alamin. And all those who, who are looking for job and risk. One of them is Surah Al-Waqi'ah. Just read Surah Al-Waqi'ah uh, consistently uh, and read Rabbi inni lima anzalta ilayya min khayrin faqeer. Ayah from uh, Surah Qasas, we're going to come across that inshallah, yes. For people who are looking to get married and people who are looking for a job. Because Musa alayhi salam read this and Allah, God, Allah gave him sustenance and Allah gave him a wife. رَبِّ إِنِّي لِمَا أَنزَلْتَ إِلَيَّ مِنْ خَيْرٍ فَقِيرٍ Oh Allah, I'm most in need of whatever goodness you send down, whatever goodness you send down for me. If everything happens by the will of Allah, why will we be responsible for our actions if they're happening because of Allah? Yes, this is an issue of taqdeer. Uh, the simple answer is, the Prophet ﷺ has taught us that predestiny is something that no one will ever be able to truly understand. Uh, 
that whoever puts his mind into it, whoever dips into taqdeer, the discussion of taqdeer, and trying to ask himself, he will, he'll drown in it. This is sirr, a secret that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has kept with him. The whole issue of, of predestiny. What we can say is that, what we should say is that, like you, none of you would sit back and say, it was predestined whether I'm going to go to work or not, so I'm just going to stay at home. You wouldn't do that. It's predestined whether I'm going to get a 4.0 or a 2.0, so I'm not going to study. You wouldn't do that. It's predestined whether I am going to go for vacation or not, so I'm not going to make any effort. No. So then, you, your job is to continue to be focused and working on your deen and on your dunya. You don't sit there and thinking about taqdeer. The only time you think about taqdeer is when you try every single thing and it doesn't happen, then instead of, uh, instead of blaming yourself for it, you should say, Allah will otherwise. When something horrible happens in your life, if you don't believe in taqdeer, you're going to blame yourself for it. All the death and mayhem that happens around you. If you don't believe in taqdeer, you're going to say, oh my God, it's my fault. And then how can you ever live? So, you know, if, you, if a mistake was made and someone in your family died, or you're, you, you, know, you hurt yourself, or you made a bad business decision and you lost all your money. This is why people commit suicide, because they don't believe in what? In predestiny. When you believe in predestiny and taqdeer, you say, no, this was already set in beforehand. I could, there's no way I could have averted this. We also believe that if you are sincere and you're constantly trying to achieve Allah's pleasure, Allah is not going to let you down. So if you are worried about your future, just continuously cry to Allah, protection from Jahannam, guidance towards Jannah. Like Rasulullah did he say, I'm Nabi of Allah, I'm relaxed. He was the one who cried the most. He was the one who stayed awake at night the most. He's the one who made ibadah the most, even though he's the Nabi of Allah. He knows taqdeer, of course. He knows that if any of us think he's not going to Jannah, we're kafir. Yet he never for once acted like as though everything is fine. He continuously showed his, his, his haja and need for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's how we're supposed to do. If you get into this question of taqdeer and you sit there asking yourself, unfortunately you will realize that this is a very uh, scary slope, slippery slope. If thoughts keep on coming, maybe you're not one of those who keeps on getting thoughts about it, but if you are, read A'udhu Billahi Minash Shaitanir Rajeem and seek protection in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from this. Our turban, sunnah, or culture, because Abu Jahl also wore them. It's a long question, you know, but um, it's a good question, but a long one. And that I'll just give a quick answer on that. Abu Jahl also ate food, right? Abu Jahl also slept. Abu Jahl did everything. So that doesn't mean anything Abu Jahl did, we're not going to do, right? And does it mean that everything he did also, we're going to do? We're going to see things that he may have done, but which Rasulullah also did. That's what our, we're not wearing a, a kufi or a turban because Abu Jahl did or didn't. But rather, it's about what did Rasulullah do. That's our model. And so, did Rasulullah wear it? Yes. Did Rasulullah walk around his head uncovered? Honestly, no. Most of the time, he did not. There are, there's a book called Crown of the Believer. Crown of the Believer. We have it downstairs? Do we have it in the bookstore? Right? Do we have it in the bookstore? Anyone here knows if it's in the bookstore? I don't know. Um, Ali, just ask those boys at the bookstore if, they have, if we have it downstairs. Crown of the Believer. So, this is um, a book that's got. Um, uh, what you call 200, 200 hadiths on the topic of covering the head 200 different hadith which people think it's a desi thing people think it's a cultural thing it's not it's not an Indian Pakistani thing man there's even sunnah mu'akkada before lower a lot of people think this is a desi thing <laughs> I had some non-desis come with me for Amr and Hajj like wallah I never heard this yaki. I've been Muslim for 30 years whole life my father, grandfather all Muslim I never heard of sunnah I said ah, not my fault right you didn't hear about sunnah but that's part of the deen it is part of the deen so um, this is not a cultural thing. If a person were not to wear it, 
His, you know, we're not going to say that uh, 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 we're not going to say that he's, a, he's committed an act of haram. But yes, it's not according to the sunnah. No, we don't have it. Okay. Um, if a person is in the gym, is is performing salah in a secluded area, but some random other people walk by, is it okay to pray in these type of conditions? Yes. But again, try your best not to go to a mixed gym, honestly. Okay, um, if you can, avoid it. Um, I mean, you can avoid it. Of course you can. When you make the dua to change your heart, your mind wants to change, but your heart doesn't. Is this dua accepted? <laughs> MashaAllah, interesting question. Your mind wants to change, but your heart doesn't. Yes, your mind, mind over heart right now. You know you're supposed to do this. You're like you're addicted to something wrong. And you say, Ya Allah, like a relationship. You're in a haram relationship. And you know this is haram. You logically, you know this is haram. Your heart but is attracted to it. What are you going to do? You're going to ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to create a version between you and this haram relationship unless until it becomes halal. If it's, Ya Allah, if you do not know that, if you know in your infinite knowledge that this is, this is going to become halal, then pave the path for it. If this is not, then please turn me away from it. What's another beautiful dua? Uh, yeah, I know there's another beautiful dawn. This, um, uh, yeah, I'm forgetting the words, but basically, Ya Allah, uh, Allah Allahumma la ila shayin sarraftahu anni. Allah, do not allow me to go after things that you have decreed are never going to be meant for me. Subhanallah. Allahumma la tuhib talabi ila shayin sarraftahu anni. Allah, do not allow my heart to go after things which are not meant for me. You're not going to, why I want to run around and after five years I realize I didn't get it. I don't want to go after things which are not meant for me. Very important that if she's not going to get meant to be your wife or he's not meant to be your husband, then you don't want to be wasting your time after that. So you make this dua. Allahumma la tuthib talabi ila shay'in sarraftahu anni. Okay. Is it weird thoughts during salah? Yes, it happens. Sometimes shaitan attacks us. All the time rather. Shaitan attacks us. In, in hadith, I'm forgetting the name. There's a specific name of the shaitan that Rasulullah actually said. This is the shaitan that comes during, to you during wudu and the shaitan that comes to you during salah to make you remember things. But some people have just a whole, whole army of shayateen. And it's not just thoughts. It's very bad thoughts. That, and they won't have that thought as soon as they salam. And they only have that thought when they start. So it happens. So now you need to... Um, you know, do a little bit more focus. Have, make sure your wudu is done properly. Make sure you do, um, uh, you know, read manzil. Read manzil, those 30 verses of the Quran for protection. Um, uh, read mu'awadatain regularly. Uh, before you start your salah, after sunnah, read ayatul kursi. Blow over yourself. Ya Allah, please protect me from this shaitan that attacks me during salah. Make your wudu properly. Read your mu'awadatain and ayatul kursi before salah. And then try to read manzil. You know, if this persists, then, you know, you can reach out to me separately. What's the difference in wahi from a prophet and wahi from a non-prophet? I'm actually, I, have to, I was supposed to speak about this today. Inshallah, I'll speak about it next week. There's a big difference of that. In the wahi, Allah does wahi to not only prophets, He does wahi to animals. He does wahi to angels. He does wahi to humans. But though, those, the, the word wahi is the same, but its implications are different. Right? It's communication. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is communication. Uh, wahi to a prophet, of course, be, it becomes the foundation of a sharia. A wahi to an angel uh, is different. Allah uses the word wahi for who? For shayateen. Inna shayateen la yuhuna ila awliyahim. The shayateen do wahi to their cronies and friends. So wahi in, these, in this case, all these cases means general communication. That is done in a khufya, in a hidden manner. That's basically what it is. Communication in a, in a khufya manner. Uh, do Dasan have part-time classes for sisters? Something that covers basic fiqh and aqidah. This is called the tafim program. Alhamdulillah. This January marks 10 years since we're doing it.
January 2014 is when we started it. So the next semester will begin in January 2024. That is available on site and online. And those are called the Tafim classes. 24 classes that we offer over a period of four years. Is the love of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the heart of whoever picked up Musa? Similar to how love is placed in the hearts of spouses after nikah. You could say that. Um, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says we are the ones who place love between the spouses. So... <laughs> You know, as, as one person, he told his, he said, he told his wife, you know, subhanAllah, I'm so grateful to you. I can't thank Allah enough. I have such a beautiful wife. You know, I'm so happy. So, and so inshallah, I will enter Jannah through shukr. And so she told him back, he said, yeah, I will enter Jannah through sabr because you have such an ugly face and I'm making, being patient with you. Right? So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes also makes that not so attractive face, makes it very attractive. That is definitely true. That's the power of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Okay, alhamdulillah. I think enough questions for today. MashaAllah. Uh, if anything was said correctly, it was from Allah. If any mistakes were made, may Allah forgive us for that. Um, and I already announced for the... Someone said, can you announce the business opportunities? Yes. Please meet the brothers out there. Uh, um, Omar, you can have the... Uh, the you know, there just there is there's at the booth outside there. There should be a, the flyer that I had already shown here. Um, and so, if you need to get more information, I also want to share with you. Alhamdulillah, today it's very cold outside. Please, uh, I encourage you to stop by and pick up the Dar es Salaam hoodies, so, um, and maybe they'll be a great gift for uh, someone in your family or for yourself. And mashallah, we just welcomed two new additions to our bookstore: some a new, uh, very beautiful Dar es Salaam um, notebooks, as as well as pens. That's a new addition to the many things that are alhamdulillah available um, so please stop by on your way out as you drink your tea um, stop by at the bookstore inshallah bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim make a few minutes of dhikr la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam la ilaha illallah 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 لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم 
صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم صلی اللہ علی محمد صلی اللہ علیہ وسلم Astaghfirullah 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 ولا تكلنا إلى أنفسنا طرفة عين اللهم أصلح لنا ديننا الذي يعصم أمرنا وأصلح لنا دنيانا التي فيها معاشنا وأصلح لنا آخرة التي فيها معدنا واجعل الحياة زيادة لنا في كل خير واجعل الموت راحة لنا من كل شر Oh Allah, who asked accept this gathering. Allah, reward all of those with patience who sat, Ya Allah, tonight and every night. Ya Allah, that they come and attend the programs. Oh Allah, make their sitting and our sitting here becoming a means of your mercy descending upon us, Ya Allah. Make it a means of our, our closed hearts opening up. Make it a means of removal of the rust from our hearts. Make it a means of all of us falling in love with the Quran and getting a deeper appreciation and understanding of the Quran. Oh Allah, allow our akhlaq and our character to reflect the teachings of the Quran. Oh Allah, save us from becoming, Ya Allah, slaves to our soul, our nafs. Save us from becoming slaves to our nafs. Save us from becoming entrapped by the deception of shaitan and the deception of this world. O oh Allah, allow us, Ya Allah, to become free from the, uh, and, and to gain freedom from our own nafs and gain freedom from the plots and plans of shaitan. O oh Allah, grant all of us protection from all the evil that we see and the evil that we do not see. The evil that we have brought upon ourselves through our own sins. O oh Allah, the evil that we have brought upon ourselves through earning your wrath. O oh Allah, protect us from all of that evil. O oh Allah, grant us absolute forgiveness. Become pleased with us. Become pleased with us, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, we ask you to allow us all to become amongst those who pray with sincerity, who, who will raise their hands with sincerity, and who make long beautiful du'as in our private spaces. O oh Allah, grant us all conviction and yaqeen in the power of du'a, in the conviction and yaqeen in the power of a'mal, conviction in the yaqeen in your qudra, in, your, in the power of your names, and the power of your attributes. O oh Allah, allow, our, have, allow us to have our attention and our eyes simply only focused upon you. Save us from having our eyes roaming around towards other things of this world. O oh Allah, allow us to all have 
proper a proper understanding of the deen the way you want us to have the understanding of deen grant us a chance to all seek ilm and allow our hearts to always be more, uh, to be busy in your remembrance grant us tongues that are busy in your remembrance ya allah grant us all the akhlaq of rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam allow us to have a beautiful environment at home an environment of love and understanding between spouses between parents and children between siblings and between all extended members of the family allah bring muhabba and love between every single member of our family allow us all to be to become a positive force of goodness within our homes and within our families allah allow us all to become a means of bringing deen across the globe oh allah whoever and wherever any muslim brother and sister is going through a difficulty of any sort we ask you allah to remove their difficulties grant them patience grant them patience and remove the hardship ya allah allah grant grant all of us victory against all the battles that we are fighting against our nafs and shaitan and all those who are trying to harm us ya allah allah we ask you to have uh, yeah, grant help and assistance to the brothers and sisters in palestine oh allah and any and all other parts of the globe wherever our brothers and sisters of the ummah are going through difficulty allah grant every single one of them patience accept the martyrdom of those who become shaheed oh allah allow the pains the painful cry and the plea of the young and the old in those regions of the innocent people allow those those cries and those pleas to reach you ya allah allow them to to cut through the entire distances between us and your throne ya allah allow them to shake your throne ya allah allow your allow their crying and their beseeching and and wailing in front of you ya allah to become a means of your of your rahma coming into full force of your rahma becoming full force of your justice coming into full force o oh allah allow your your special unseen armies across across all around us ya allah to come into action allow the angels ya allah who are waiting for the signal from you ya allah to come to the assistance to come to the assistance for those who innocent lives ya allah oh allah we ask you through the barakah and the blessing of the in, duas of the innocent ya allah who are, who, who are dying and who have been killed Oh Allah, allow those du'as to be accepted on our behalf. And allow those du'as to, to become a means of every one of us, Ya Allah, waking up from our slumber of, of, of heedlessness, Ya Allah. Allow their du'as to become a means of us filling up the masajid. Oh Allah, allow their du'as to become a means of us, Ya Allah, Ya Allah, overcoming the temptations of our nafs and shaitan. Allow their du'as to become a means of all of us becoming closer to you and to our Habib Wasallam's lifestyle, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, whatever khair and good the Prophet Ali Wasallam had asked you of, grant us that good. Whatever evil the Prophet Wasallam sought refuge in you from, grant us refuge uh, from that. That Allah protect this madrasa, this masjid, and all of our musallis and all those who attend our programs, and the students, and the staff, and the teachers, and all their extended families, the well wishers, Ya Allah, the supporters, Ya Allah, of the past and present. O Allah, we ask you to grant every single one of them safety in this dunya, qabr and akhirah. O Allah, grant every single one of them victory in, in anything that they're dealing with. O Allah, grant all of them full reward of any khair and goodness that is happening here. O Allah, grant every single member of this community, and every single volunteer in the community, and every single person who has anything to do with any program, grant all of them ikhlas, grant all of us ikhlas, grant all of us. Sincerity, grant us all sincerity, grant us all acceptance, Ya Allah. O oh Allah, whatever obstacles every one of us is finding in our way to serve Deen, remove those obstacles from our path, remove those obstacles from their path, remove those obstacles from their path, Ya Allah. Subhana Rabbi Rabbil Azati Amma Sifun, Wasalamun al Mursaleen, Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Rizakumullah Khira, Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.